Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm very glad you could be with us here this week. This is episode number... I don't even remember. I've got so many episodes, I can't... Hundred and something, something. Hundred and something. <laughs> and I'm here in location in Spring... I almost said Springfield, where I live. I'm actually at Springdale Church of the Nazarene in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a beautiful church, and where I'm having a good time sitting here having a conversation with the DS of the Kentucky District, Brian Powell. Hello, Brian. Hello, Rick. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm glad you could join me today. Uh, I wanted to ask you real quick, out of the gate, before we get into who you are and too far into what you do with your life and your mission and all that stuff. Tell sure. me a couple hobbies that you have outside of ministries real fast. Well, uh, I think it's obvious that I love mountain biking. If you follow me on social media and see many pictures, uh, that has probably become my number one hobby in the last five or six years. But beyond that, I've been a, a guitar enthusiast for all of, all of my life. Uh, my dad, uh, I was raised in a musical family and had a guitar in my hand uh, from the time I could remember. Nice. Well, that's what I was going for. I was hoping yeah, you would I mention know. guitar because listeners won't know this because you can't see it, but both of us have our guitars sitting on our laps sure. right now, and we both have Taylor guitars. I think they ought to give us an endorsement or something just for I the do day. Too. I think great. that would be awesome. So what we're going to do, we were just having a little bit of fun before the show started. We're going to set our mics down in front of our guitars, and we're just going to play a little bit of bluesy uh, acoustic guitar for you today. Pretty much unrehearsed. We played for maybe a minute before we started today, so bear with us, but I think you're going to enjoy. Um, Brian, in, in in addition to his many other gifts as a writer, as a preacher, uh, he also is a really good guitar player, as you're about to hear, so this is the best we can do on short notice. Here we go. I was supposed to take the first solo. Okay, we'll do it that way. Thank you. 
then you got to do one of those type things. So. <laughs> well, we're going to set our guitars down, so give us just a moment here. That was a fun way to open the show, though. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, unfortunately, as much as I love guitar, I haven't picked one up in too long. My it, wife stays on me all the time. Brian, when are you going to play your guitar? It did not sound like it had been a long time. You were it's killing been a it, long man. Time. It sounded like it had been a long time since I played, and I played all the time because I was messing up my soul like crazy. So... <laughs> So what you always want to do is bring your guest on and have him show you up on your instrument. That's, yeah, the, right. that's the main thing you got to do. So. You are a great, great musician. We're looking forward to having you at our midwinter retreat. I'm looking forward to being there in February, right? Yes, that's so, correct. That's great, man. God has been blessing. I've been very busy lately. I'm very happy about that. But real quick, as we, or it doesn't have to be real quick. Go as slow as you want. But tell us, for those who may not be familiar with you and the work which you're involved, tell us who Brian Powell is. Well, um... You know, I've I've been very intentional in, in understanding who I am over the years. I believe self awareness is a is a pretty big deal, and I think too often we try to identify ourselves based on what we do versus who we are. So, mm-hmm. first and foremost, I'm I'm a lover of Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, he is he is primary uh, has primary place in my life. Uh, beyond that, I'm I'm from North Carolina. Grew up on the North Carolina district. Um, uh, you know, raised in the Church of the Nazarene there, a small church in a blue-collar town on the south side of town. And I married my high school sweetheart, Heather. And um, she has, uh, we've been married coming up in December for 25 years. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Um, our son, Jake, is a recent graduate of Olivet Nazarene University right. with a nursing degree. I'm so glad that he's finally off of my payroll, <laughs> and <laughs> I hope that I hope that uh, I can be on his payroll soon. Sure. But uh, my daughter, I, we have another daughter, Amaya, who is a junior in high school this year, and then we have a daughter from, who we adopted from China. Her mm-hmm. name is Casey, and uh, she is in ninth grade, and she is amazing. She is actually a St. Jude child. She wow. has beta thalassemia major, mm-hmm. which is a uh, a blood disorder, and so she gets transfusions. But man, she has just transformed our our home That's amazing. and uh, we're in the process right now of adopting another little girl from china her name is lila and so we're looking forward to going back and and adopting another daughter that is fantastic well that's wonderful i mean that's great news beyond that i serve as the ds of the kentucky district <laughs> that um, little thing right? yeah and and i i am adamant that my pastors call me the district pastor mm-hmm. uh, and not the ds i always thought ds stood for for dipstick no. <laughs> and so uh you know sorry to all my ds friends but i i really i, I feel called to be a pastor yeah. all joking aside and so well, uh, whenever I was appointed to this position, I asked the GS. I said, "Well, can I can I function in the role a little differently than yeah. I understand it? Yeah. You know, with all the administrative work and be more of a pastor to pastors." Mm-hmm. And of course, they were excited about that. Well, that's great. And you know what? Honestly, for those that are listening who are not part of the Church of the Nazarene, which I assume you are legion out there that uh, that are listening, that I have come across over the years because I do a lot of work inside and outside the Nazarene Church. That might be the best way to describe. Um, what that position is in some on some level the district superintendent it's sort of the the head pastor of the pastors on a district so if if you don't know what that is exactly and you're not a part of the nazarene church then um just imagine a region of the country and a lot of pastors from the same denomination at that church and then there's sort of a head pastor over them and as you said sort of a pastor to the pastors type thing Uh, i i feel like that i guess 
I would naturally view that role as being more of an administrative role. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I have interacted with different DSs who, who take a different approach to it. Sure. And I'm seeing a lot more of them take a different approach. And so I really feel like it's more of a, a coach uh, and an equipper and an encourager. Mm-hmm. I've actually found that encouragement is, is vital to seeing pastors thrive. Yeah. Uh, that's very true because a lot of times there's not a lot of encouragement in the pastoral ministry. Right. So, uh, well, let's get into something that's a little bit fun before we get into okay. any further today because there's so much we can talk about and I just want to be conscious of time. Here's the scenario. It's probably not anything that would ever happen, but you're trapped on a desert island with 30 other people from all various faith traditions and backgrounds. If you could only take three books with you, with you, which three books would you well, take? Well, I love that question. Um, the Bible, of course. I, I <laughs> love the Bible, and plus you get 66 in one. Oh, there you uh, go. You See? know, and so, um, and, but, and it's still not cheating because it's one book. That's right. And so uh, I, I love the idea of having the Bible there with 30 other people so we could continue to, to tell the greatest story ever told. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, some books that have been re- very trans- transformative for me. Uh, I'd say at the top, the, these two are probably tied at the top of the list, but Compassion by Henry Nouwen is one that has really transformed my thinking, yes. especially when I was in Raleigh ministering in the inner city. Um, you know, the word compassion I, literally means to suffer with. And so uh, if, if 30 people are stranded on a deserted island, there's going to be a lot of suffering. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it, 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 that book, when I think of that book, I think of intentionally choosing downward mobility, you know, which is which is really against our human nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all aspire to, to move up the ladder. And so anyone, I would, anyway, I'd definitely take that book with me. The other would be Celebration of Discipline by Richard oh, yeah. Foster. Yeah, good ones. Um, very formative when it comes to uh, spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. uh, something that I don't think we talk about enough and that I don't think we really practice enough and I don't think we really understand them well. Right. Um, you know, even even just prayer and fasting, I'm not sure, gets enough of, of our attention. And so th- that book actually forced me to become more introverted hmm. because I'm naturally, like, extremely extroverted. Really? Since okay. the time I could walk. I mean, you know, it, it's hard for me to, to be alone. Mm-hmm. And, and But now I actually enjoy that alone time and hmm. silence and, and those things as, that have shaped me as spiritual disciplines, yeah. which started with... With Foster's book, wow. Celebration of Discipline, many years ago. Those so those are, would be the books. The Bible, Compassion by Nowen, and, and Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Uh, those are winning choices, I think. Um, I'm Somebody just yelled outside. I don't know what's happening out there. I think they're doing a CPR class in the room yes, next to us or something I saw like that. that. Um, but I would also just say, as a way of recommendation, you're not allowed to take another book on the island, but just if you were, The Way of the Heart by Henry Nowen. I just finished uh-huh. last week. Very short book. You could probably sit down and read it in about an hour, but I would encourage people who are listening to go through it in about a month because it just you need to just take your time and allow Anytime somebody recommends a book to me, I, I leave immediately and uh, and Google it and usually just order it on my Kindle. So podcast <laughs> over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll have to wait a little bit longer. But that's also a one I just finished this week and have been recommending to people. So those are, those are good picks. And I, you know, for some reason, I think I remember now that you had been in North Carolina. I was in Burlington, North Carolina very briefly for about two and a half years. Oh, really? Yeah, back. I left in... Uh, 
What, the, what? In 2001, Bill Vinson oh. was the pastor there. Yeah, I know and, Bill. Uh, and so, I yeah. would have been there during that time. Would you a, have been? As an we, associate we, pastor. Okay, yeah. we might have crossed paths and not Maybe. even know back then yeah. at that time. At a youth That's event funny. or something. Probably so. I was a youth mm-hmm. pastor at that point. That's what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the next question I had for you is you kind of represent a new era among church leaders in the Church of the Nazarene specifically that we're talking about. But I think it can apply to a lot of church leaders because um, when the Internet came along, it was one thing. Uh, I think back in the late 90s, there was a few households that had the Internet. It was getting to be more and more. But it's only really been in the last, I want to say, like 10 (coughs) years that it's exploded to where everybody has their own social media accounts. Everybody is sort of their own star on the Internet. And so everybody has... Uh, a different opinion and different things to say. So you're kind of among this new era of church leaders that holds a position of leadership in one part of the country, but really because of social media, you are in effect always interacting with people from around the country and really even from around the world in some cases where they have internet access. Um, If you were not a denominational leader, and I know this is kind of a, a lot of if questions like like imagine if but if you were not an denominational leader do you think your social media presence would be any different than what it has been i, I will go back to uh to start by saying uh, this social media appeals to the extrovert in me okay um, big time and so when it first came out i was like wow what a great tool mm-hmm. um and i use social media from the very first time I logged on to start connecting with people I was pastoring and old friends from high school. And so it was just a great way to connect Mm -hmm. and and human connection in our age. I feel like there's just so many distractions for Mm -hmm. people and they're processing so much every day. And so in, in my opinion, it's a great tool for, for, to stay connected with people that you already know. Mm -hmm. Um, I also learned that it became a, a great way to uh, to encourage people. Mm-hmm. Um, I used it to encourage uh, people in my churches over the years uh, to to take you know sermons that had been recorded and and put them online for people who were not able to be there on a weekend mm-hmm. um, to make announcements for church activities. And then suddenly we started learning, oh, we can create our own page for for the church, you know, and so. It was just a, a constant way of communicating and staying connected. Um, be, beyond that, um, I have always, I guess you could say another hobby over the years has been pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not in the sense of uh, I consider myself a photographer, but mm-hmm. if you were to visit my home, I have a, I have a, a collection of mm-hmm. over 30 photo albums that my wife and I have put together every year of mm-hmm. our marriage and and more than one more than one some years um and it's just wonderful people would would come over for a cookout or to visit and they would see the photo albums and they would just pick them up and it would just start conversations sure. about where we started and yeah. um photos are fun you know mm-hmm. they tell a story and so that appeals to me as well and mm-hmm. so you know, being able to post pictures and, and, and talk about what's going on in life yeah. is just something that I was doing before social media. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, of course, appeals to me as well. You know, some people would ask, and part of your question is how this is different as a denominational leader, as yeah. a district leader. Right. Um, I, I, I thought really hard about that when I first took this position mm-hmm. um, because... 
And I even talked to a couple of the generals about it um, because I knew I was probably more involved in social media discussions than any other DS. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of DSs that aren't even on social media, mm-hmm. and and I understand why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it, but but at the end of the day, I think I've got to be me, mm-hmm. and that was the advice of of one of the general leaders was. Brian, he said, you've got to be you, uh, and regardless of how people respond, how can you be anything else? Mm-hmm. You know, God's used you just like you are over the years, and so just practice discernment. And yeah. And I would say that has been a little more difficult. I have, I have ended up in some places on social media that, you know, just transitioning into the DS job and, and not really understanding or thinking through how those conversations were going to impact Mm-hmm. relationships and that sort of thing and if I could go back I probably wouldn't have engaged so deeply mm-hmm. in some online conversations mm-hmm. and I uh, would have just backed off and so I'm, I'm trying to use uh, better discernment as mm-hmm. I get more comfortable in this position so you you would still say um, be, because I, and I'm only just finding out now as in a few brief conversations that we've had um, that you've felt like as you just said there's some things maybe you've gone too deep into or too engaging in or whatever and and maybe it's caused some hurt along the way too but you're there is a question here you still would say it's probably more of a benefit than a hindrance i guess is what i was asking yeah i I, if i had to well well, first of all before the ds position it was a total benefit okay you know i I just as like a pastor yeah as a pastor it was and and i feel like if i'm going to transition into this position but, but what I didn't really think through was the amount of attention. Mm-hmm. For example, my Facebook friends list uh, over, has over doubled in the last year and a half mm-hmm. since coming into this position. Because now there's a whole group of people that yeah, beyond, you're interacting with. Beyond the right? local church, right? Sure. And, um, and my, uh, the Twitter, my Twitter follow, you know, my connection with people mm-hmm. on Twitter has, has grown greatly. And so... Then I struggle with okay, I still got to be me, mm-hmm. you know. I, how can we not be authentically who God's called us to be? Um, right. And so I struggle with that. And sometimes I think that sometimes I think that what what you called hurt, man. I mean, that has the ability to take place in any conversation yeah. for one thing, whether it be online or not. Mm-hmm. How many times have we left conversations and thinking, man, I probably shouldn't have said that that way, and then call a friend and say. Uh, you know, I hope you didn't take that the wrong. Anytime we talk about things that are, imp- that are important, mm-hmm. that matter, um, words are going to be taken differently according to someone's perspective. Sure. Uh, in my opinion, and so I try to just let other people's words uh, kind of roll off my back, sure. and I feel like that that maybe I know everybody doesn't do that, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm always willing to go the extra mile to explain. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong, uh, I want to I want to make it right. Sure. You know, I want to apologize. Now, th- this isn't one of the questions that I had pre prepared, but I I know we talked on the phone a couple of days ago, and you said you might want to address it. Um, and you mentioned Twitter, and your actual your Twitter site is Brian underscore L underscore Powell. I think isn't that your my Twitter handle? Yeah, your Twitter handle. No, it is I am Brian L Powell. Sorry, I am Brian yeah. L Powell. Okay, I, I recently wanted, changed that. It was Pastor B Powell for a long okay. time. Okay, well, I wanted to make that clear because you told me that there's a couple fake names of yeah, like, there's, in, <laughs> that it, I, you might want to explain. It. I just didn't know well, if you somebody, to address it. 
I, I don't know, a couple of months ago, uh, somebody, you know, I've got so many people that will inbox me on social media. My social media interaction is literally happening on the go, usually, because okay. I'm right. on the go. I mean, it's happening from my phone. Understood. And um, it's not like I'm sitting there scrolling for hours and, and checking what everybody's saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm on the go. And so... Sure. A lunch break, a restaurant break, when we get done here, you know, a yeah. quick, you know, picture of me and you and up it goes and right. I'm out the door, you exactly. know. Um, but somebody sent me a message that said, you know, there's this account and it, the guy has your name and he has your uh, license tag uh, hmm. as his profile picture. That I have a license tag that says KY uh, for the for the district. And um, so I got to searching, and I and I did see it, and obviously it's supposedly a, a parody account, but mm-hmm. basically this person takes things that I tweet or say online, and will change a few words, and um, hmm. and then retweet it. Uh, you know, there there's no doubt that people don't like everything that I say. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people would like everything you would say. <laughs> I know for uh, a fact they did. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I, I've just tried to, you know, I've blocked any of those accounts that I mm-hmm. found. There's a couple of them actually, and I've just, you know, I've tried to disengage them. Sure. Uh, I mean, how can you talk to, have a serious conversation with anonymity anyway? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's like if it's you were true. sitting behind a curtain right now saying, "I'm not going to tell you who I am," you know, right. I, I'm not having a conversation. That's difficult, and yeah. and I wanted to. That was one reason I wanted to bring up because if listeners did want to follow you, I wanted to make sure they had the correct like Brian Powell. I page. am Brian L Powell. That I is my am handle. Brian L Powell. Yeah. So if you see I other ones, those might be the parody accounts, or it might just be one of the other yeah, people they're not, on planet Earth named Brian Powell. Well, well no, the, these are actually. And these accounts, they, I think they hide behind parody because okay. Twitter allows it. Right. But it, it's not really parody. Yeah. It's, uh, it's their host, hostile personalities. Mm-hmm. And um, here's the thing. Again, this is one of those downfalls to being real active on social media mm-hmm. in this. Because I, I would never guess in a million years that as a pastor, I mean, I've not changed my approach, uh, my views toward certain things. Mm-hmm. I said similar things when I was pastoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had great dialogue and debate online uh, mm-hmm. as a pastor, um, but I never got this kind of, you know, I can't imagine as a pastor they would be. Yeah. But now as a DS, suddenly I'm in a uh, in a different role, mm-hmm. I guess on a on a bigger stage and. Yeah. And I can understand that, but it's not something that really registers with me. I'm just a personable guy, sure. you know. I'm just, I'm just a, a, a man of the people. I like to, to be with the, comp, you know, just be out there with the folks. And and, and I don't was, want my role to put me on another level, right. so to say, or a tier. I'm I'm just, you and know, that, we're all in this together. And that was one reason I asked about the social media question as much as anything, because I've often wondered too, um, like, what is the best approach, you know, as I. Um, get a little more well known as as the, the music continually increases i'm traveling more now I, sure. i'm i've got a lot of people now that i've never actually met that i interact with online or they interact with me and you do start to wonder like you know there's this there's a sense in which well our leaders held to more accountability in some way and and now do i have to figure out like what what should i say have i said too much and 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 it's partially because it's this whole new frontier this thing called social media well and i think a lot of it we're all guessing a little bit yeah. like what what are we it, supposed it, to i be, agree with that know? assessment you know here's my thing i am a strong proponent of accountability i think it makes us all better mm-hmm. um i've got some personal accountability partners that have been my accountability partners for years um 
three, in fact, uh, that, that I talk to weekly, uh, mm-hmm. regularly, and who have had some very difficult conversations. And so I believe in accountability. Yeah. Beyond that, I'm held accountable by my overseers, mm-hmm. uh, my district advisory board. I've always had people and structures in my life for accountability. But an, but an anonymous social media account mm-hmm. is not my accountability. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the structures that are in place when they come to me and say, say, Brian, you know, I think maybe you ought to change your approach to this conversation or whatever. Then then, you know, that's somebody I will I can listen to mm-hmm. uh, these hostile personalities that I've engaged in, in some forums that just seem to constantly be on the attack mm-hmm. is not really something that I can take serious. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say this, whether social media is more of a benefit or a hindrance, that probably depends largely on who you ask. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say that uh, social media has allowed me to build relationships and, and give encouragement that, mm-hmm. in such a way that it makes it more of a benefit to most, the vast majority of people I interact with. Mm-hmm. And, and also what's funny to me is that some of the most professed, open-minded people I've engaged on social media have often been those that are more easily offended hmm. than 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 the majority I interact with. So anytime it seems like you say anything that they disagree with in the least, there's this huge lashback from certain voices because they're so easily offended. Yeah. And um, it seems to me like we live in a day and age where offense comes a little easier to people. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think that? I, I think to an extent, yeah. And I've... I've I've experienced that on some level too on social media, and, and I've wondered like, well, should I have should I have said that much? Should I have engaged? And and always kind of wondering what to do next. But I'm someone who really enjoys it too, and I enjoy um, I, I enjoy meeting people. Honestly, I wouldn't have have met you had it right. not been through like a social media account. And you were again talking about encouraging. You were always encouraging me. I put like a guitar video on or something. Yeah, and I'd be like, hey, this guy seems cool. I've never met Brian before, but and I think I think you are my friend on Facebook. For a couple months before I realized you were a DS, I was like, "Oh, this is yeah." This well, a, and a now I mean, look at the connection that's been made. I mean, not only are we sitting here talking about uh, some things, things that are important. I mean, but this is fun. But mm-hmm. you're coming to minister on the Kentucky district. You're yeah. coming to, to to play music and lead us in worship. Yeah, and, it's so much fun. And uh, you know, I just uh, and I've 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 been blessed by your music. I have several of your songs downloaded on my iPod. When I'm riding that. mountain bikes, Rick Lee James is in my in my ear. I'm hearing him. <laughs> That's so and nice. So, Thank you. Um, so yeah, I think important things can happen through social media. You know, at the end of the day, do you want to continue to discuss this? For we a can. We'll we'll cut it off soon because I want to continue. But go yeah, right ahead. Um, you know, I, I personally have learned some things by engaging in different groups mm-hmm. that. Looking back, I wish I hadn't have engaged. I wish I would have left with, silently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also learned some things that I believe are important. Mm-hmm. And that is that there are certain voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Church of the Nazarene is, is my concern. Mm-hmm. It, it, is my, it is our mission. And um, so there are certain voices in some of these circles that I believe um, openly oppose kind of the global consciousness of the church. And I struggle with that. I struggle with that because I believe we should be accountable to the global consciousness when the church gathers for general assembly, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, our kind of our, I, I describe it as a 
family reunion every oh, yeah. four years. It's fun. Where yeah. uh, people from all over the world come and make decisions about how we're going to move forward in mission. And those decisions are binding, you know. Uh, whether I like them all or not, personally, yeah. is really beside the point. You know, and I feel like as, as, a, as a, an elder or a deacon who is ordained or as someone who is a member of the church, that really we have, we've entered into kind of an, a covenantal relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And so I, I just see too much, and I've caught on to a lot of the buzzwords on social media like, uh, uh, you know, big tent. You know, I've heard that tossed around a lot. And, 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 and I feel like those words become ways to talk about other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like just a way to get a, a point across to lead into another discussion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I personally believe that the big tent idea is, would be terrible for our church. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that Christ, all of Christendom is a big tent. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about the church universal, it's a big tent. Yeah. Um, and, and I've got brothers and sisters who are Catholic and who are Baptist and who are Pentecostal. And God's done a specific, unique work in every one of those movements, right? Mm-hmm. And so within, within the Church of the Nazarene, God has done a specific, unique work that I feel like he's called us to be stewards of. Mm-hmm. And um, so how we move forward in those discussions, I feel like, is going to be critical yeah. in what happens with our church. Does that make sense? It, it does, yeah. I, well, thanks for one no, last thing. One last thing. As it pertains to social media, you know, I believe the inability to establish what I call relational equity okay. um, is, is it lacks because there's no facial expression. Like uh, there, there's no body language. Right. There's no t- voice inflection. There's no tone. Uh, there's no personal connection. And a lot of that, I think, we get it get. What we're trying to communicate gets lost in translation. Sure. So sometimes I think the more weighty conversations probably shouldn't be engaged mm-hmm. on, on social media. Whereas we're sitting in a room right now where probably 10 or 12 people could sit around this table easily. Yeah. And I think we could lay a controversial conversation on the table with people that, that are black and white on the issue. That mm-hmm. just diametrically oppose each other on the issues. Mm-hmm. And have a civil, loving Conversation because we would immediately build relational equity. Yeah, it's hard, to, and you know, I've, I do want to go on another question, but um, I've I've tried in in recent days uh, to make one of my spiritual mentors. And don't laugh, don't laugh at me, but uh, Mister Rogers. Uh, honestly, I, I read this book called The Simple Faith of Mister Rogers. Oh, wow. And it's a beautiful book about his whole life, his discipline. Come to find out, he was close friends with Henry Nowen. Oh wow! And treated that entire children's show, it's everything a he did. Day in the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly that, Mister <laughs> Rogers. And he was such a uh, he. He worked to cultivate this personality of being who he was. That they said he was more like Mister Rogers off the screen than he yeah. was on. And there was just story you could tell after that that story. Really was his personality. And they said his response to people, even critics and and people who were um, at, not very often, but at times he would get a fair number of critics about you know you're being too soft on people or whatever. And his response generally was, "God loves you." 
and it was just that was just the way he would try to respond. And I thought, man, how many times I wish that would have been yeah. my response, just to say, God loves you or, or whatever. But Me but too. because but because there, but there's always going to be critics, right? Yeah, no matter sure. what we do. I for mean, sure. there's been no no part of my life that there's not been critics, even outside the church, yeah. and especially it seems like in leadership or spiritual leadership inside the church, right. regardless of where you're at or what size church you're pastoring. There's going to be critics, yeah, you know, and sure. so I've tried to develop this this idea of man. I, I hate to say this, but you know, sometimes you've got to learn how to ignore critic criticism mm-hmm. and and just yeah. move forward with your accountability structures and and be who God's called you to That's be, true. right? Yeah. Well, let's move on a little bit. Speaking of something I learned on social media a while back and really was uh, what I was interested in talking about in this conversation today was uh, you have a book that you're writing right now, and it's titled Transformational. Unless the title has changed, I think it's it's still called Transformational. And I'd just love for you to talk with us a little bit about that book because that's an exciting time. Uh, I've I've authored one book myself, Mm -hmm. and I know what kind of work goes into doing that. So maybe you can... Give us a little update on how your book's going. Well, the subtitle, I think, tells a lot about uh, the, the topic. Um, cre- the subtitle is Creating Missional Momentum in Traditional Church Culture. Okay. And so, um, really, the book is, is, is a, it's kind of a story uh, with a lot of underpinning. Um, it follows the transformation of a, of a church I pastored in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, where the church had long existed as a traditional church in the heart of Southern culture, if mm-hmm. you will. And uh, they had kind of learned what, what worked for them, and I call it circling the wagons, you know, mm-hmm. just year in and year out, uh, kind of did the same things. And, you know, their statistics made them feel real good about themselves at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. I see a lot of churches that I feel like are stuck in kind of this, tra- and tradition is not a bad thing, yeah. but... Um, you know, when we make certain things sacred cows, it, mm-hmm. it can become a bad thing. And so this church went through a division of hurt, uh, or a season of hurt and division, and um, right before I got there. And uh, they had had a long-term pastor, and he left, and things were great. And then a, another pastor came in and was there a very short time, and a lot of things just kind of uh, fell apart. Mm-hmm. And so the church had, had lost a lot of people and a lot of financial stability and was very far in debt. And I took the church and um, for the first couple of years really just talked about renewal and, and, and um, you know, God praying for God to send a spirit of revival to the church. And that was all we focused on. And healing took place. We watched it take place slowly. And then kind of organically we began to shift into this outward once once we found help within the church and by the way any any pastors that are listening i believe it is impossible to shift a church to a missional focus unless there's health inside the church folk first mm-hmm. it, it's so, just it, it is the people they, they just can't process what it means and i was talking to a pastor yesterday where i said you know i was brought up immersed in the church growth movement Mm -hmm. you know seminary college all the books were maxwell and you know it was just grow the church grow the church and i think there's a lot of benefit to that i I still believe in church growth um but i think if that's the only thing we focus on we miss a huge part of what god wants to do yeah and so shepherding is another component that i think 
the church growth movement misses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to learn how to not only be a guy that can um, implement strategies that is effective for evangelism, but also shepherd people who are wounded and hurt and broken, of which we all are, mm-hmm. to where we can arrive at a healthy place. But I see so many pastors come into, especially like a small church, and immediately start putting these missional, evangelistic, and, and sometimes I'm not sure that they really differentiate between mission and evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, they're very different things. Um, but anyway, back to back to this conversation. Uh, the book follows a, a, a transition that took place over the course of about four years mm-hmm. after the, there was healing that took place in the church. Uh, it provides uh, a theological framework for becoming more missional in focus. So mm-hmm. the first thing it does is teaches a, a church, a pastor, a leader how to think missionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it offers practical application for how to effectively transition a congregation toward a missional future. Nice. Really, the book is based on a, my my dissertation or my project, my pastoral research project for the Doctor of Ministry program okay. at um, NTS. And uh, several told me they said, you know, that would what you've done here would be helpful yeah. for others. Uh, and and several had their thumb in my back to submit it. But I just felt like it was too immersed in like ac- academic language, mm-hmm. and so working back through it and trying to tone down and change some of that language um, was just not anything I, I ever had time to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, finally, somebody kind of what I did was I just I sent it to a, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Matt Cole, who's Matthew a pastor Cole, on my yeah. district, mm-hmm. and said, Matthew, I've been told by several people that this would be beneficial. Read it and tell me what you would change and. Uh, and Matt's really good at that stuff, yeah. and so. Well, and, and as I was telling you before, Matt was uh, one of the two editors on my book. So yeah, I, I didn't even know that till yesterday that he was doing working with you too. So that's fantastic. Well, Matt, Matt done a kind of a first edit and then sent it to me and, and told me that he thought it would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then I sent it to a guy named David Felter who used to work with NPH, and mm-hmm. he read through it and gave me a second opinion mm-hmm. and gave me some more editorial advice. And I submitted it and uh, got a contract back, and I was really surprised by that. Actually. That's great. Well, that's well. Congratulations on that because that's um, something a lot of authors seek after for a very long time and never do get to a point where they're signed with a publisher or anything. So that's well. I'm very thankful for the yeah. opportunity, and you know, I've been teaching uh, seminars and, and preaching sermons that are based on the stuff that's going to be included in the book, transformational. Mm-hmm for a long time and so uh, it's, it's stuff that a lot of people that I've interacted with and my staff over the years have become very immersed in uh, mm-hmm. but and, and so maybe it will be beneficial who well, knows well good I'm, I'm sure it will be and I know a lot of pastors are always looking for ways to help kind of transform their church's thinking about such things so I'm sure it'll be good well I had a few more things I wanted to ask but honestly I'm, I'm getting too uh, close to the amount of time I'm going to be able to go today on the podcast so I'm going to ask you just a few quicker maybe more right. fun questions that are about this but before I do do you know when Transformational might be released it's supposed to be released in summer of 2017 summer of 2017 okay well that's coming up uh, one year from now so it is 2016 right yeah, it <laughs> is. some mornings I wake up and I don't know uh, what day it is hardly but uh, I wanted to ask you real quick a fun question. Uh, this will be for Matt Cole, actually, and I need to play this question of the week cue. Question of the 
The question of the week comes to us from Matt Cole. All right, Matthew Cole. He asks, do you like running with him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matthew. Uh, No, I don't. I hate it. I I hate running. Uh, it's, It's so hard. Matthew is a guy that inspires me. He runs... Wow, I think like a hundred miles a month or something. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and he took me when I first got here, and I was so out of shape. And he signed me up for this kind of like this triathlon type deal, <laughs> and so I went with him down to a little town, and I thought I was going to die. Uh, but it was kind it was uh, canoeing, running, and mountain biking, and I enjoyed yeah. the mountain biking, but it was last. So by the time I got to it, I was completely exhausted. Well, to be fair, he told me yesterday on the phone that you're a much better mountain biker than he is. Well, I don't know about that. You've you got that in your, in your hand. Uh, so I thought, he, he's always asking me to put question of the week back in the show. Yeah, so Matthew, that's, that's for you today. Uh, we love you, Matthew. Um, another, another question here for you real quick. Is there a hymn or, or specific song? Not doesn't have to be a hymn, but if it, if you want to do even a couple songs, you can. Uh, but as a music guy, I'm always interested in this. Is there a hymn or a song that's impacted you that you come back to again and again in a variety of life's circumstances? Sure. Um, yeah. Um, there's a song by Robin Mark. It's off the album Revival in Belfast, and I'm sure there's other versions of this Great song. Album. Yeah. It's uh, When It's All Been Said and Done. Mm-hmm. And I can remember many years ago first getting that CD, and, and I loved it in its entirety, but that song particularly uh, ministered to me, and it kind of became the theme of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when it's all been said and done, there's yeah. just one thing that matters. Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and done, all my treasures will be will mean nothing only what i've done for love's reward will stand the test of time and you know i could go on but i mean those words just uh you know those words will be played at my funeral i hope mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know, because that is that has just become my my life song oh good yeah. well you know robin mark i haven't heard a lot from him in a while but i his albums were really inspiring to me back especially when i first moved to ohio and I was making that transition from uh, North Carolina to here right around 2001, 2002. Some of his songs, man, they've really impacted me. Good stuff. And I do think they are modern hymns. I mean, just the right. way that they're written, a lot of them very much That's so. Right. Um, missional thinking, th- th- this is, a, this is a, a quick question if you can, okay? And, right. and I know this, is, this could go a long time, but I did want to ask you real quick. We were talking missionally, and I probably should have asked you back then. Uh, but missional thinking on the Kentucky district, where you are now, where you're serving as district superintendent, um, is it going well for you? I mean, as you far know, as uh, trying to help the Kentucky district sure. think in missional ways? Uh, missional thinking impacts everything I do. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, it's it's really just part of su- such a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had time to really elaborate on how uh, ministering to the homeless in the inner city and adoption ministries mm-hmm. uh, has and and low income uh, free medical clinics. Uh, you know, being involved in those sort of ministries over the years has shaped me. Sure. Um, uh, especially adoption, uh, you know, I, I just want to plug that real quick. You know, Decatur First Church of the Nazarene, where I pastored before this role, has an adoption ministry that is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, they, When I left, there were 
close to 70 adopted children in the congregation. They mm-hmm. advocate constantly for orphans around the world. Yeah. And that doesn't include the many outside the church, but we did a Sunday once a year where we would celebrate adoption and stand all those kids on the stage, and it was just amazing. Um, so so anyway, missional... Is that Decatur, Illinois? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, missional thinking really affects uh, affects everything I do. And, you know, right now our church is very focused on... Um, on planting new churches, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and actually, we've planted five new churches in two months, um, and we're working on three more right now. One of those churches is an inner city church, mm-hmm. and Michael Perkins is okay. has moved to Louisville to become the pastor of, of that, and we're putting it in. We're, we're we're strategically choosing an area of the city that that it's called River City Hope Church mm-hmm. of the Nazarene, and so we've strategically chosen an area of the city where. You know, we that really needs hope. Yeah. You know, I think Michael describes it as, as um, if I'm going to plant a church, I want to plant it right next to the gates of hell. Yeah. You know, wow. uh, where where people are really suffering, mm-hmm. and so we want to be a light in that community. And and then on top of that, man, we have seen several Hispanic congregations rise up. We've planted one. We're in conversation with a couple of other groups across Kentucky. We've got one Burmese congregation that has just, or this guy was connected through Nazarene Bible College somehow, and so he knew about the Church of the Nazarene. He had a group of about 30 that we have two African refugee congregations that have started in the last two months Hmm. uh, through different connections. It's just like this organic thing is taking place. And so so I can't tell you how happy I am about that. Mm -hmm. And what is phenomenal is how our churches and pastors across the district this idea of planting together and investing in it has really brought them to a place of connection that they've not had before. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Um, that, well, good. I'm so glad to hear that because it's nice to hear about um, some of the things that maybe you were doing as a pastor and how it, it's sort of in a bigger way on the Kentucky district is, is bringing that missional emphasis. And I'm really glad to hear that. And I look forward, maybe we can have another conversation in the coming days about that and, yeah, and just great. do the whole podcast. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like I have that. a lot to say about that. Um, but before we, we go off the air today, not that we're on the air right now, but uh, when they hear this, I wanted to present you with a gift. You may oh. think this is a gift. I often give these to my guests no, on the show. You, uh, that's the book I wrote, Out of the Depths, that A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. There's a CD that goes along with it called Basement Psalms Live. And then that's the actual physical CD of Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations. Man, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, this will be in my CD player when I'm... Uh, I've not seen the Basement uh, Live. Basement Psalms Live. Yeah. yeah, ten songs written from the Book of Psalms. I've and, not seen uh, that. I've, I've seen you... Uh, you know, I've seen this one promoted sure. heavily. Sure. And I have some songs off of it. Um, but yeah, I look forward. I'll have that in my CD Well, I, I always tell guests, usually off the air, but I say, um, <clears> since I can't afford to pay you, it's almost like when my son makes a picture for me, I say, here, I made this for you. So there's there's this, some things I made. You can, you can have... Put it on your refrigerator. I don't care. If you want, but uh, but thank you thank for you being a guest much. on my show this week. It has been really great. I want to tell listeners just before we sign off that if you are in the Chicago area or in the Kansas City area uh, coming up in October, I'm going to be very busy traveling to your neck of the woods. I've been invited by Worship Leader Magazine to come and be their guest at the National Worship Leader Convention in Kansas City coming up very soon at the uh, beginning of October, I believe. 
You can check for more details at my website at rickleyjames.com. And then I will be doing uh, sort of a whirlwind fast tour up in Chicago as soon as I land from Kansas City. Um, back in Ohio again, I'll get in my car pretty quick after and drive to Chicago, and I'll be doing three different places in Chicago, and then I'll be um, a part of something going on at Olivet University, too. So it's going to be very busy. So watch my schedule in the coming days if you're going to be a part of uh, the National Worship Leader uh, Convention in Kansas City in October. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Rickley James or, or through my website. I'd love to say hello. Maybe we can hang out a bit in Kansas City. Uh, or also, maybe if you're in the Chicago area, you can come out to one of the worship concerts that I'm going to be doing while I'm there. Well, Brian Powell, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this oh, week. Thank you, Rick. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace who raised Christ from the dead strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.